All right, good evening. We're back, full staff. Landry back into place. Welcome to Cap and Trade. We are live on YouTube and Twitter Live and Twitter Spaces. So wherever you're at listening in or watching in, thank you for joining us. This is episode 38. Landry, how you doing, sir? Throwback Kurt Schilling, 38. That's that's how you should have said it. So episode Kurt Schilling. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, Brandon Cook's not doing so good. Kamu Gruze Hill, I guess he's doing good. He got what he wanted. Uh, but a very productive week. Uh-oh. Just like that. As good as he's looked. Uh, you got the loss. The Raiders won, so they jumped ahead of you in the standings. Carolina found a way to lose a football game. Washington, or, or to win a football game. Washington found a way to win a football game. And things are looking pretty good right now uh, for the uh, team tanks. And, oh, by the way, the Browns still suck, so they lost. So if the NFL draft were tomorrow, the Texans would have the number two and number five overall pick. The only team that's worse than them is Detroit. Detroit's got Chicago twice, and Detroit's got Carolina. So things are looking very, very good for the Houston Texans when it comes to the process. Yes, yes. And uh, I want to start off right off the bat with a shout-out to the Astros going to the World Series. Excited for that. Way to, way to just kill the flow with I a shout-out to the Astros. I know. Pandering mofo, you. Yes, sir. So, yeah, we'll start her off the bat. Uh, a lot of miss there's some unhappy players now we got uh common gruje hill who was released this evening it won't be official till tomorrow who by he, the way was terrible this year yes he was not good um it was only a matter of time for his pl- uh snaps went downhill so uh with christian harris coming back in and showing a little bit of some positive work some good signs out there on the field so it was only a matter of time for gruje's uh playing time to go away and and with Garrett Wallow seeing a little more time and seems like Christian Kirsch he's going to remain the the mic here for for the Man. at least for the next few weeks we'll see what happens there but Man. Need, need a little more Blake Cashman out there as well to get those young guys get some playing snaps but I mean I don't know if that it's any coincidence that you know right after Easter B is is let go that Gruje Hill is is displeased and unhappy I think it's probably more so his playing time than anything I don't know if you've heard anything different, but not a big, not a big loss by by any stretch of the means. Um, this de- you know this defense will probably be better with him off the field. He was not good in coverage. He was getting swallowed up in the run game, and uh, you know, good. You know, I'm sure he'll latch on somewhere else, find himself a spot on another team. Somebody will pick him up. I'm sure for the vet minimum, and and he'll get a, some spot playing time as he goes, but. You know, those few people asking around if if thought maybe he be, might be a trade candidate. I didn't think he a had what? any. Yeah, I didn't think he had any trade value, and uh, this is obvious. What? Yeah, so this is con- confirmation of such that there was no trade value to be had with him, and let him uh, go on about his way and figure out what's next for him. But the big one, I think, from from a trade standpoint, is uh, Brandon Cooks. Doesn't seem like there's anything on the horizon. For him, when it comes to a trade, he seems a little unhappy as well. You see his uh, media appearance and, and skipping media appearances and, and just does not look very happy out there. I don't know exactly what's the what's the behind stories on that, but the, so far, they've I think Green Bay's called, Kansas City's called, Los Angeles Rams have called. Rams is trying to dump Cam Makers on, on anybody in a trade. 
but uh, it seems like Houston is not too serious about moving Cooks, but if the right draft compensation came up, a.k.a. a second-round pick, I think they would probably move him. But I just don't know how you get a second for him when you traded for him two years ago for a second-round pick, and he's got you know a decent contract, two more years left on it after this year with a fully guaranteed salary of – 18 million next year. So that's a lot for any team to, to take on. So what's your thoughts on Brandon cooks? If, if the team were to, to make that move, I mean, if he wants to go, let him go because the sales pitch for Brandon cooks, he's a good player. He's not great. Uh, he's, he's not a number one guy. I, th- I think you would be in the market potentially to try to find a number one guy, whether he was here or not. I just don't think that if Brandon cooks is, if he's not fully invested, then I don't know how he can have a role on this team. If, if, if from day one he had been a guy who'd come here and he'd been a guy that just brought his lunch pail to work and worked, um, di- played hard, did you know what Brandon Cooks does, which is produced at a pretty good level, then that would be one thing. But you can't go from being a culture guy to just showing up and doing your job when you're the type of player that Brandon Cooks is. So if he wants to go, and I don't want to set a precedent where – Anyone who wants to go uh, can go. But when we're talking about guys like Kamu, Gruje Hill, and Brandon Cooks, you got to let them go. This isn't a, you know, stand your ground Deshaun Watson type of thing where you're trying to get max value. There might not be a ton of value. The receiver draft this next season is absolutely stacked. I mean, the, the names are ridiculous. So there's a chance there. But if he wants to go, let him go. And, and quite frankly, if your entire happiness with this organization and with the process and all that, if it's tied to Jack Easterby, get the hell out of town, man. Like get the hell out of town. If that is, if that is entirely the, if the worst thing to ever happen to football in this city is what is keeping you happy and keeping you sane and keeping you bought in and, and keeping you from not pouting and keeping you from doing uh, what you've been doing for two years, which is showing up and speaking on Wednesday as a representative of this organization and one of the faces of the process. If Jack Easterby leaving is, is what causes you to be unhappy, get the hell out of here. Best of luck to you. I've enjoyed talking to Brandon Cooks. I think Brandon Cooks is a good player, but if that, if that is enough for you to mope, you gots to go. Peace out. So you're fine with, even if it was like a fourth round or anything like that, if he's ready to go, then just go fine with it. Fair enough. I don't know how much, like how much worse does this team get without Brandon cooks? They don't. I mean, they're instead of maybe being in most games, they might be not so much in as many games, but they're, they're not getting any better. They're not going to this, the amount of wins that cooks would be contributing to is probably zero. If you stayed on this roster. So, if that means getting a peek at some of the younger guys on the practice squad, um, you know, at this point with with Nico Collins being day to day, we'll see whenever he comes back. But he becomes your, he would become your number one. About that. Yeah, it sounds like he's day to day right now. They're not putting him on on injured reserve to miss four games, so that's a little bit promising. I hear he's, you know, not walking around with a limp or anything like that. I think the team probably just take the cautious approach, and he'll probably miss a game, maybe two games. And then they'll reevaluate and see where he's at, but it doesn't sound like it's a it's a big deal for him. So I mean, the the wide receiver core is pretty 
as we know, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, just not a whole lot of depth there. And, you know, the no. fans have been clamoring no. for, uh, for the old fifth round draft pick waiver claim, Tyler Johnson, who subsequently was released. He, he could, got- he could not get the playbook. He had no confidence of the coaching staff. He had issues in Tampa Bay. Apparently he missed, uh, meetings and things like that. So it just, no inspiration at all amongst the coaching staff, amongst the organization with Tyler Johnson. And that's primarily why he was inactive. Well, I think he had like 29 snaps this year in two games that he was active and just couldn't see the field. And, you know, is what it is. And you see nobody claimed him today. He made it through waivers. So he'll just end up being somewhere else and move on about our way. And the team, you know, re-signed Tyron Johnson, who was on this team a couple, three years ago. Uh, has a little overlap with uh, Pep Hamilton out of uh, Los Angeles. When he was out there, he's got some speed, some straight line speed. So maybe we see a little bit of change in the playbook. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, Chris Moore wasn't that fast, and Philip Dorsett is what he is. So maybe Tyron Johnson can add a little speed component and give Davis Mills a downfield t- target. But who knows? This At least we saw a little bit of positivity out of Davis Mills this past week, but this wide receiver core without Nico Collins, and then if you move Brandon Cooks, just gets very scary. (laughs) I mean, you've got like Davion Davis, Jalen Camp, folks like that that are on the practice squad. So really don't know what the team would do. I mean, it's not going to get any worse than it is right now. So maybe just find some young players to try to see if there's anything worth there from having. But it's going to be tough sledding for – for that position. And we'll see what happens with Brandon cooks. I, I'm not entirely sure draft, you know, Casario. I don't know that you just move him just to move him If he's unhappy, uh, maybe you reassess in the coming off season and see if there's any kind of trades for that or leading up to draft up to uh, the draft. Maybe there's a trade package there versus what you can get right now. Um, I just don't get the impression that Nick is willing to move him just to move him, but the team's done things like that before. So we'll see. You know, they did that with uh, Mark Ingram last year, just moved him just to, you know, they even let, asked him if he wanted to go to New Orleans when that when that phone call came through. So we'll see what happens there. You know, but getting, you know, getting the younger guys on the field, Christian Harris showed signs, very good, you know, a lot of speed, had a few mistakes. Had some bad moments. Yeah, yeah, it's a rookie. You know, it's his first game back. I was, I was expecting to have like 10, 15 snaps, some special teams work. Heck no, they put him in the fire hose. Stuck him out there. He had a ton of play time. I think it was almost 40% playing time out there. Uh, him and uh, Kamu were kind of rotating out at that will like linebacker spot. Kirksey didn't come off the field again. But, I mean, overall, what do you think out of Christian Harris? I mean, I thought he looked good. I think he's going to be good. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes, but I think there's going to be a lot of flashes. Um, he's – I mean, you don't start every game for Nick Saban at linebacker and suck. Like, it just doesn't doesn't happen. And the freakish athleticism is, I mean, it, it goes without saying. Didn't even play linebacker uh, in high school. And, and he starts every game for Nick Saban. I, th- I thought he looked good. Uh, a lot of times he looked kind of lost, but but nothing that you wouldn't expect from a rookie and, and a third-round pick and a guy that's going to have to figure stuff out. But I thought he was fine. Um, and, and I was glad that they put him out there as much as they did. I was glad they didn't kind of, like, tiptoe because – you know, in in the past, there have been similar situations where, man, maybe not because even with O'Brien, like they were in situations to where they were every game really, really mattered. But 
you kind of babysit the rookies and you kind of try to, you know, string them along. I was glad that they put him out there as much as they did. I thought he looked good. Um, I thought that this game was really just about how crappy his front seven is. Oh, man. Um, it is. That's that's really it. Like, I, I, I don't even know how to judge the secondary at this point because I don't know how good Lovey is at scheming them to their uh, best abilities. Although, they, I think they're doing a good job. Nelson and Stingley are playing good, but I, I think they could be doing even better. I don't know about how Lovey Smith calling a defense um, at the moment. Although it's kind of hard to judge because this is the worst front seven in franchise history. Like, I don't even think that's even, I don't even think it's close. No, like, that's this not is a question. Easily no. the worst front seven that this organization has ever had. And it's, it, it just makes me wonder are they going to go D line instead of quarterback in the draft? Or is that going to be something that they have to think about? Because Davis Mills is a lot closer. And hear me, hear me right here. I'm not saying that Davis Mills is going to get here. Davis Mills is a lot closer to playing at the same level as the worst representation of a starting quarterback on a contender than this front seven is of you having any chance in hell of doing anything. It is bad. It, it, it is – I don't know that any of these guys two years from now are going to be – and, I, and I'll, I'll put Harris aside for this. I don't know that any of these guys are going to be a part of anything – two years from now and that's that's not even factoring in age i'm just talking about the quality of players that you have right now on this front seven like if you want to get good and you have you know money and free agency and you have draft picks i don't know how many of these guys are even guys that you would want starting on your football team it's bad no i mean without i mean malik collins one was not even He's not even one of the better defensive tackles out there, but he's a, a solid player. But without him in that front line, it just got bad with with Booker, Heinish, and Lopez. And it's, you know, we saw they signed Jalil Johnson today, which is just going to be another rotation guy. He was here last year. But it's, I mean, they were just getting swallowed up. They were getting manhandled by the Raiders. We, you, you know, you see the folks that post the clips on, on Twitter and social media. I mean, Josh Jacobs just had – huge running lanes. You mean Bo Jackson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bo, yeah. So I mean, he just and by the by the time you got to the fourth quarter, Jeez. they were just gassed. They had nothing yeah, they left in the tank. And and, that, and that's the thing like it's not it's not like you can't say like you can watch and you can say, "Well, what is Lovey doing here? What should he be doing?" But it's not it's not realistic to like expect much more. Like I I don't it's a talent. I, I it's a talent issue at this point. It's a talent issue. Like there's nothing. Like in, I, I hope people aren't like souring on like the Heinishes and Roy Lopez's because those guys can be rotational guys. Like Roy Lopez can be a rotational guy, but on this team in this situation, and it it might end up being really good experience. You know, for two years from now when he when he's on the final year of his rookie deal, and. Hopefully you have someone better than him and he's a rotational guy like this. This can only make him better, but Roy Lopez should not be starting on an NFL team at this point. Right. It's impressive that he is like, even the fact that he is even on a bad team is that, but like that shouldn't happen on a good squad. I mean, I think we can agree on that. Yes. 
And Jerry Hughes has just run out of gas. Like Jerry Hughes is that I lasted mean, he, he about that lasted after, about two weeks. After week one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember we're like, man, we found the fountain of youth week one. He was all over the place, JJ and it's who? just gone downhill so quickly. Yeah, I mean, and that's what happens. So he's just kind of yeah, done. He's Thirty-four uh, and a half. Yeah. Kirksey annoys me, man. How so? Man. <laughs> First of all, what the hell was he doing on that Renfro catch? He just walked right by him. Did he think he was playing college football? And then Renfro gets up and gets an extra 10 or 15 yards. He looks so lost in coverage at times, and he looks so lost at the line of scrimmage. But every time he – he's Kevin Johnson linebacker version. Every time he makes a tackle, eight, nine yards downfield, three-yard gain or something, he has to flex. He has to pump his chest. He has to run back to the huddle. I know – look, I like – he is what he is, okay? And I think he's like an authentic culture guy. I don't think him being a culture guy is tied to Easterby or anything like that. So I respect Christian Kirksey for giving them everything they've got. But good God, man, do we have to celebrate every tackle downfield like Kevin Johnson? Driving me nuts. And what are you doing on that Renfro play? Yeah. You just walk by him. He's walking by him. He's picking horrible lanes. He. There was like three or four clips. I think DJ had posted them up on social media. And it, you see on a run play, and Kirksey, I don't know what. He either just goes right into the back of one of the defensive Dude, I, linemen. I don't think, or, I don't think or, he reads it. Yeah, I, he can't pick the right lane. Then he gets buckled up at the last second. He can't make up his mind. Next thing you know, he's stuck behind the defensive line, and Josh Jacob is running right past. So It seems like he just decides, I'm going through this gap, and, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. It's – yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's, it's a rough, rough. look. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad they lost. That was a big loss, man. It, yeah, I mean between loss. between Carolina, yeah, Carolina wins and Washington wins. Washington wins. Did, um did Pittsburgh? No, they got Pittsburgh they got loses they lost. Pittsburgh had yeah. won earlier. Like Tom Brady is like the best thing to happen to the Texans cuz yeah. he's letting he's letting all these crappy football teams win. Like yeah. so now they look like they would ever win a game. They yeah. win, and then Carolina wins. Yeah. So right like, now they're slated that, that two a and good four week for the Texans. Yeah. A yeah. really good week. <laughs> yeah. They're I think slotted number two and number four in the draft right now between their pick and and uh, Cleveland's pick. We need Cleveland to keep keep doing what they're doing, and uh, you know if you can end up with two top five picks, whew, that would be that would be something. And uh, oh man, I know. So. Dari, Dari Ogombowale. I think oh he. Oh God, are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. That's your RB two now. It has to be. Is he? Hey, you saw what you do in garbage time. No, it, I mean I it's. Did. Yeah, it's. I did. It, it's just funny when you see like Lovey get up there and he's like, "Yeah, it kind of surprised us. We were, you know, he surprised showed." You? I'm what like, you "That's we saw it in preseason." That, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I was trying to get to. I mean it. You see, you saw him live. Surprised you. We've yeah. been bitching about this for weeks. Yep, yep. I don't. Also, we've been asking for is five to seven snaps out of him. You know, I, I, I'm, I understand Rex Burkhead is going to find the field and he's going to be out there, and nothing we can do about that as fans. But uh, you know, you need to. I'm just worried that Pierce is going to gas out at this point. You know, come Dude, like he's got to be exhausted already. I don't think he's an RB one. 
I don't think like, so either. I, know that sounds I, crazy. I, I think, think he's, he's a one B. Yeah, I think you, he's a one B, one A type right, of guy. Like, I think he's, he's not a bell cow. He's, he's somebody. He's, you need somebody in tandem with him. He's either Jonathan Stewart or D'Angelo Williams. Like he, like you have to have two backs that you're like giving like an equal carry share to. But he's not. He's never been that. That's not an insult. Like no. there's a lot of really really good backs that you know they're not they're not bell cows. And, and I'm. It's weird because. You kind of feel, I don't want to say you feel hypocritical, but you know, on one hand, you're saying, give him the ball, give him the ball, give him the ball. Where's 31? Why the hell are you giving the ball to 28? And then all of a sudden, it's like, damn, might be giving him the ball a little bit too damn much. Yeah. I, that turned really quickly. And I was kind of curious to see how, how the reaction would be from the fan base. And it was like you said, is giving the ball, getting the ball. And now it's like, okay, back off a little bit. Let's, let's knock it down just to about, yeah, just take about five carries, five snaps off the field away from him. Give him a little breather. Uh, Dare can do a little bit more. And I don't know why or what the reason was for not having him on the field, you know, but there, there's, there's gotta be a way for them to find some place for him to get out there. Five to seven snaps. That's all we're looking for. And, uh, you know, and just, see what you got. I mean, he's under contract for next year. So maybe, maybe he can show you something and be that kind of tandem guy with yeah, Pierce, you but you know, but I think he maybe becomes your RB three next year. If you keep him under contract and draft another running back next year and, and have a really, really strong run game heading into there. So, you know, that's kind of hopefully the, the path that the team might be able to take. And, you know, um, just want to, Thank everybody for joining in so far. We got a lot of folks over on Twitter Spaces, got a Twitter Live, YouTube Live. So if you got any questions, comments, post them up on YouTube. We'll see them show up here. If you got a question on uh, through Twitter Spaces, you can uh, post a comment there. And the uh, bottom right hand of your corner is a little chat icon, tweet uh, tweet icon. You can tweet to the to the space. I see we got one request in. I haven't tested taking a. a person speaking in from uh from twitter spaces but just hang tight uh leon and we'll we'll try it out and see what happens uh see if it works like i like i think it will so um with that i mean yeah that you see how the you see how the 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 team is progressing we saw like you said you the right teams that are winning games and and houston is losing games so it's progressing well it's curious to see how the rest of the division shakes out you know, we see Man, what this ha- week though is weird. They feel like it, it seems like they Vegas thinks Texans are winning this game, man. Why is that? They're begging you to take Tennessee on the money line or the spread minus two okay. is the spread right now. They are begging you to take Tennessee. A lot of people are doing it, hmm. charging to the game. But this is like of all the spreads that feel fishy, that it seems like they want you to take. Tennessee, I don't see it happening, and I, it would be a hell of a costly loss because I think you're facing two right now. You got the Eagles next Thursday. Yep. But it does feel like Las Vegas feels the Titans are one in seven against the spread. Their last eight against the Texans. Uh, so the Texans, for whatever reason, they've just kind of um, been able to cover against Tennessee with the spread, but. It's fishy, man. It's ten, a very, ten, very fishy line. Tennessee's a very a weird team this year. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they they're, always overachieve with Vrabel. That's what yeah. I say. Like they they've never I, they've never not overachieved with Vrabel. Yeah, because I was looking at some numbers and 
they're one of the best teams on third down this year um, on defense. They're they're actually way out ahead of everybody, and I don't know if that's sustainable or not through through the course of a whole season, but they are just dramatically better than anybody else in the league on third down. And we see up until this last week against Las Vegas where the where Houston did very well on third down, pre up into this game against Las Vegas, Houston has notoriously been very bad on third down. So I think this is going to be another situation if that continues to hold course where the team can't can Texans can't, you know, move forward on third down and, and Tennessee is shutting them down. It's going to be another another weekend of the running back gassing out the defense. You know, Derek Derek Henry just running all over them. By the time we get to the fourth quarter, they're just tore down, wore down, and can't hold up anymore. So, I'm kind of curious, but I mean, they're just like a I don't know if scrap, scrappy is the right word or not, but they just seem to I find a. I think it's one hundred percent the right. They word. just seem to find a way to find a win, like you said with Vabral. It's he's been a very good head coach we saw what you know it kind of makes me wonder if what happened with him getting away if if the team if the texans were able to keep him around i know his one year as a coordinator was was not what many folks wanted to see but it had been kind of interesting to see if he could have stuck around in the organization with the uh and maybe maybe have taken over for o'brien at one point or things like that that would have been something interesting to see and see how that played out but of course that didn't happen that's you know a little bit of hindsight he got away and he's doing well in Tennessee but you know I just don't know what I mean Tennessee has no wide receivers you know Traylon Burks their first round pick is out they're having to depend on their tight ends or having to lean on on Derrick Henry again and Robert Woods I think is their probably their wide receiver number one at this point and he's coming off the uh, the major injury and is a little bit older in age so it's a like you said, Vegas is wanting folks to put money on Houston. I don't know that that's a very good bet, but we'll see. Uh, you know, the team's coming here. It's a three o'clock start, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll You're see. Not what, a fan of the three o'clock, huh? No, I am not. But it's a little easier timing wise for me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Pastor bedtime. Yeah. You want to you want to hear something like real crazy about Tennessee and this is yeah. this is just weird. Okay. So the Texans in the fourth quarter they're averaging uh 2.8 points per game in the fourth. And we know they had the drought to start the season. Tennessee is dead last in fourth quarter scoring. They score a point a game in the fourth quarter. A point a game in the fourth quarter, the Tennessee Titans. Hmm. And they're in first place. <laughs> like, and, and that's the whole thing, like, with Mike Vrabel, you go to an AFC championship game, you win a division, everyone's saying, well, you know, they got Derrick Henry, so it's just Derrick Henry, and the only reason they win games is because of Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry gets hurt last year into the one seed in the AFC, and, it, and it's a it's a fool's gold one seed. Like, nobody, I don't think, I don't know anybody who picked Tennessee to make a run last year, and of course they got bounced, but just the fact they were the one seed is impressive. And they're a weird team, man. They're a weird, weird, weird team. 
but they, they seem to have like with, with the wild week that was in the AFC South this, with this Indianapolis be... changing quarterbacks and yeah, Jacksonville finally trading James Robinson and Brandon Cooks looking like he wants to be traded and Kamu Gruje Hill uh, requesting his release. The Tennessee Titans are just kind of chilling. And they're chilling like where they've been for the majority of the Mike Vrabel era. They're right at the top of the AFC South. It's impressive. It's interesting that you say that on the fourth down because they're they're bad, but my gosh, uh, Houston is worse at uh, fourth down. So let's see here. Man, that is. I was trying to show my screen and it's not wanting to let me do it. Oh well. You and technology, man. You're the best worst technology guy I've ever met. Hey, better than uh better than a uh, few other people, but yeah, I can find my way around. But yeah, Sam few other people, huh? Sam Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Your 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 guy. New um, starter in Indy. My guy, I respect his heart. I respect the, uh, I respect the work ethic. I will say, if he's not going to get down, then he's he's going to get injured very quickly. Uh, he there was a time at Texas where he basically had to wear the damn, um, the neck the neck thing because he was taking such a beat down. <laughs> now a lot of that had to do with Tom Herman, but you know when your when your quarterback's wearing the old Brian Cox uh, neck piece probably taking too many hits so he's gonna have to learn to get down but i think he might actually force them to kind of play a style that fits what they do best although the offensive line is not what it once was it's so not yeah the ground and pound stuff that we become used to the the hats that they wore a couple of years ago run the damn ball might be a little bit more difficult but when you have a quarterback that's kind of a threat maybe that loosens the defense up a little bit to where you know, the ends are kind of hugging on the outside and you're able to run the rock. But um, I think it they'll, they'll probably simplify things. They'll probably find more creative ways to use Hines and Mo Alley Cox and some of the some of the intermediate options they have. But I, I think it's there. There's a better there's a better chance than not that Indianapolis is going to be in the market for a quarterback. Although I do think they can win seven, eight games, which would be perfect for the Texans because they'd be kind of in no man's land. But it's weird that the Colts admitted that they were wrong this early. Frank Reich's on the hot seat for sure. I think Frank Wright and Chris Ballard are on the hot seat. Um, I think this was a uh, this was a Jim Irsay intervention, if I had to guess. And, uh, I mean, you try to sell them on, you know, three straight, three quarterbacks, three straight years, and you know they've had. I mean, I mean, the the rent a quarterback option is coming back to to haunt them, and you know, I was kind of curious how that would, you know, how that contributes compared to what Houston may or may not do next year. You see how Ballard avoided using a high draft pick on a quarterback year after year after year and tried to find other solutions. And I know there's been a lot of talk, a lot of discussion of how Houston should handle the draft next year, whether it's a quarterback early or start building pieces around the rest of the roster and leave the quarterback position alone or not, or at least not use 
your your first two picks on a quarterback. And I just don't know if, is what we're seeing in Indy is that an indication of what could happen here if the team went down that path? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, in Indy it's different because here I don't think it would be as frustrating because I don't think they're a quarterback away. I think Indianapolis, you know, since 2018 when Luck retired, I think I think a case could be made that they were a quarterback away. Like they were a team that, it, man, if this team has good quarterback play, I mean, they, they could even potentially maybe win a Super Bowl. And even before last year's meltdown, uh, when they ended up losing to the Raiders and the Jags to end the season, and I think their their percentage of getting in the playoffs was like 92% um, at one point when, when they were facing the Raiders. They were a quarterback away, and they were even playing really well. So I think, I think it's a little bit different there than it is here to where I don't think like there would be like that level of frustration, but that's, that's the difference between them is they kind of built the squad and then they just decided, I don't know if they got cute. I don't know if cute is the right thing. Maybe that maybe there just wasn't an opportunity. Like maybe they just kind of kind of just like, it, it was just a bad luck situation where they couldn't get it. But I mean, the, they traded the out of the Darnold's they traded out of the Darnold spot and, you know, never really yeah. took another swing at a quarterback. So, and they look smart. They look, they look kind of at the smart time they, they did because they did, you know, they got Shaq Leonard. They got a lot of good players out of that. A lot of, a lot of assets. I mean, it's, you know, when you have a team trading up for a quarterback, it obviously increases the draft compensation versus somebody trading up for a tackle or a defensive line or something like that. So it's a, it's just an interesting thought exercise. Uh, it's a valid point that Houston's not in the same spot if you wanted to put it like on a timeline that Houston, that Indianapolis was when when Andrew Luck retired and then they had to make the quick change and so maybe Houston is just not quite as far along with building that roster and you know if the team needs decides to go that route and maybe find another bridge option or continue running with Mills or whatever it may be in 2023 you know there's some going to be some veteran options out there if you wanted to try try a bridge option to get you through one year um, so it'd be interesting to see how they manage that. I just, you know, it, it, I think the question would be at least for lovey, maybe not so for Nick, but you're, you're, you're asking this coaching staff, you're, you're expecting the owner to give this staff in this, in this front office group more time knowing that, yeah, if you go that route, I'm still going to let you be around for 2024 to make that pick for your quarterback. And I just don't know that lovey Smith would, be kept around that long if he had another bad season, you know, based on not not drafting the quarterback. So it's just interesting. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's a lot there. It's a, you could dive down that rabbit hole and spend a lot of time there. We'll have plenty of time in the offseason to make that kind of discussion. Uh, we do have a few requests on, on um, spaces, so we'll see if those work. I did get one question on spaces asking about the Brandon Cook's potential trade and how the cap breaks down from there. So I shared a tweet within the, within the spaces that breaks it all down for you. But essentially if they were to trade cooks by Sunday, it's going to be, it's like a $967,000 cap savings. It's a very minor cap savings. The team would have an, an $8.7 million 
dollar dead money cap charge this year and 16.2 next year which would be a 10 million dollar savings next year because i think his uh cap charge next year is upwards around 25 or so but the big thing is is the team has already contributed over you know they signed him to an extension this past offseason with a 16 million dollar signing bonus so the team's already going to be fronting up almost 17 million dollars this year before the, after signing him to the extension only to trade him away so like i said there's a little you know there's a to answer the question there's a little bit of savings it doesn't all accelerate into the cap this year because we're past june 1 if you were to do the trade prior to june 1 in the league year then all of that bonus money would all accelerate into the 20 into this year so this now that we're past june 1 the money splits up a little bit differently so we'll see what happens if teams willing to uh take that contract on but we're gonna go over here to spaces and see we got a couple requests and see if this uh see if this will work for us all right let's see if i can remember been a while since i did this here request leonidas Go ahead and take yourself off mute. Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Cap? Oh, not too bad, sir. Um, I just have a few questions. First off, uh, Brendan Cooks, what would be a fair price as far as a draft round for him if we were going to trade for a team that's like desperate for a receiver? And uh, my second thing is with Lovey Smith, what you were talking about. I'm curious to know because we have all this draft capital that's going on for next uh, next year. Do you think that if they kept Lovey Smith or not keep Lovey Smith, we got a new coach just because of all this draft cap and, you know, we have a new quarterback possibility, like it could be endless. Do you think that Lovey Smith should get this kind of draft capital for next season, regardless of what our record is going to be with him? It's a good question or a good set of questions. So for the first one, I mean, I think the team is holding out for a two. Would it be fair, like Landry was talking about at the beginning of the show, just to go ahead and move him off if he wants to be moved? And if it's a team like the Chiefs, you know, they have pick uh, 90 and 100 in the third round. So maybe instead of a two, you can get one of those threes and and maybe a a future day three pick, whether it's next year or 2024. Give me Sky Moore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, buddy. Him. I mean, if they if they get Brandon Cooks, they're going to use him in less. Give me Sky Moore in a hundred. Hmm. No, I don't think I mean, Casey's going to do that. Well, I mean, he's a rookie. They got to give him time. I'm sure they have, yeah. you know, because there are other there are other three they're, years of Brandon Cooks. Yeah, well, there are other wide receivers under are not under contract beyond Hardman. I mean, I think Valdez Scantling and um, and um, I'm drawing a blank on who the other one Juju. is. Juju. Yeah, Juju, they're both on one-year deal. So, you know, but I think I, what's fair, I mean, that's that's the tricky part. You know, I think teams are probably calling right now trying to offer up like a fourth or something like that and trying to use the contract as justification for only offering a fourth. And I think Houston is holding out for a two. Uh, they're not just trying to move him just to move him at this point, but maybe things change. We'll see what ha- if you know, if they end up losing again on Sunday, I think that might – change things up a little bit and maybe they're willing to take a three would i be disappointed in them getting just a three not really just you know it's 
is what it is. And, you know, you just have to have faith in the front office and that just gives them that much more ammo. I mean, they've already got 12 picks next year and, and two of them are being third round picks. So if they got another third rounder, then that's just more ammunition for, for Casario, maybe to move up into the second round or something like that. Um, Landry, I don't know if you have any. Yeah. I mean, that's where you, that's where teams really, really make their hay is, is, is getting those picks in 35 to the 75 range. That's where you can really, really do some damage, find a lot of value, especially with the decay of the contracts from the top 10 picks down to that second and third and fourth round. Those contracts are very, very low cost by by all means compared. So, as for the second question, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what we were just kind of touching on. I think at this point, I think the team is probably going to keep Lovey around for another season. I think there's just some, I don't know, if optics might be a little bit involved. Um, we know we know with uh, Easter being gone, Easter being being gone, that the McCowan thing is probably no longer an option. So at this point, I. Unless they just really want, unless Lovey wanted to retire or something like that, which it doesn't seem to be the case, and I don't foresee him willing to like take a step back just to the defensive coordinator role. I, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if they promoted somebody up, maybe his son or something like that, up to to the coordinator role, and uh, leave let Lovey just be a head coach. But I think, yeah, I think he sticks around. I think Casario is still going to be the main person managing those those draft choices with input from the staff and from Lovey, but it's going to be a Casario show at draft day. So at this point, I don't see any reason why Lovey's going to be not be here next year. So we're still going to has anything really good. Like it's Casario making those picks. He's not making them, you know, just thinking just about Lovey. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that impacts anything. Uh, the picks like Lovey's not making them. That's going to be Nick. So Right, I understand that, but the thing is, though, Lovey's still running that Tampa two defense, though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're still going to need. I don't know. I, I don't know how much. I, I don't think. Like, let me put it this way: if if Casario is drafting a player, I don't think he's going to draft for scheme fit. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You can make a case say. that Derek Stingley doesn't necessarily fit Lovey Smith's scheme. Uh, so I think he's kind of he's kind of shown you that he's not gonna you know he's not gonna draft guys with. You know Tampa two in mind. Stingley's best strength is man. Something he's something he's probably playing too much zone this year. So I don't think, you know, I don't think Nick is going to sit there and say, well, I really like this guy, but you know he doesn't fit into the way Lovey calls defense. They might they might just have to adjust uh, to the player. So I don't I think I think this this Stingley pick kind of shows you just kind of how Casario is not really concerned about you know Tampa two. And all that type of stuff. So, so you guys don't think that he's going to find his guy next season? You think he's just going to stick with Lovey for one more season? Because um, the Romeo Cornell situation, where he ended up being a senior uh, defensive analyst, uh, I think it was called or something like that. Oh, that's what we're. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe Lovey could actually step to that role and give it to a new head coach. Anything could happen. I understand that, but I'm just curious to know because we have all this draft cap. So would it make more sense just to like get a new head coach that like actually want to be here and has all this ammo right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't look. I don't think Lovey. I, I don't. You know, I don't. 
if Lovey's not going to be the head coach and like the face, I don't, I don't need him hanging around. I don't think his defensive philosophy is such that you just got to keep it around. So if he's, if he's done, he's done. But I would love for Casario to find his guy. I just don't think they're at the point right now where they feel like, I don't know if they think winning is counterproductive, but they, they just needed credibility and they needed someone to step in there. When push comes to shove, Casario is going to try to find his guy. I don't, I don't think he's going to feel that pressure after this year. I think, I think Lovey's going to probably get another year if he wants it. I don't know if he wants it. I haven't seen enough to like want to get rid of him, but I I didn't like that Romeo crap, honestly. I mean, that was that was weird. It almost like, seemed like a glorified thing. I don't even think he – I don't know how much he, he was, was really co- – He was coaching brooms in a broom closet, basically. That's what I'm saying. I didn't think uh, he was really contributing that much. I think it seemed like more yeah. of a patriotic kind of yeah. you know, glorified role just here will keep you – Almost like a consultant type thing when somebody retires from their job. And, and I they... thought they should have given Weaver the interim job. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought that would have been a better opportunity than giving it to Romeo. Uh, and I think Weaver is probably pretty pissed off about that too. Leonidas, you got anything else, bud? No, appreciate you, man. All right, thank you. All right, brother. All right. He is. I mean, it, it is a good good thought, you know, because you do wonder, like, especially when you're talking about defense, like, is Casario going to prefer a 3-4? Or are they going to prefer something else? Does Casario already have an idea who he wants to hire two years from now? So he's going to draft with that in mind. Um, I mean, it is a good point. You know, it's not like Lovey's like a 22-year, you know, 35-year-old coach where – you're drafting with him in mind, but that has to at least crush, you know, scout good hair and Nick Casario's mind when they're making these decisions Yeah. about who to bring in uh, and whatnot. I, th- I actually think it's more of a thing because defenses can transition and, and really offenses can too. Like we've seen, we've seen some guys come in and do a pretty good job uh, first year, like Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota and Brian Dable with the giants. So, but you know, you see defenses kind of transition relatively quickly. I wonder if it matters more like with the quarterback. Like, do you think Pep Hamilton's going to be along for the ride for a long time? So if you draft Bryce Young, that that would be, to me, the bigger, like, concern scheme-wise than drafting guys and having them play a certain defense one year and then play, you know, another defense another. You know, like, it, that's – that's really where it gets weird. That's what Ross Tucker was talking about when he was on our station talking about, you know, one and done with the QB. I think that would be more of a factor. All right. Vera, what's going on, man? Hey, PC. Hey, Landry. Um, couple of questions. So one is, I know obviously we've been talking of, so some of us are kind of already checked out a little bit with the, the way things are going and, Unless Mills turns it around in the next ten games, reasonable to expect that we will we will be drafting a quarterback at least if not day one, definitely by day two. Um, with that in mind, do you think it is better to sort of wait out, uh, continue with just building a team, and then maybe go for a Caleb Williams kind of guy in twenty four or? You think the leadership and the fa- you know fans, of course, don't have the patience. But le- do you think the leadership is not going to have the patience to wait till twenty four, and they will almost certainly expect that? Hey, Nick, you need to just go find a quarterback, whether it's Bryce Young, CJ, or Will Levis, or whoever. 
Um, so that's one question. And and certainly with the um, awful play of the, the, the front seven, I know Jerry Hughes and Rasheen Green have kind of been um, good in, in patches, but they are they are good rotational guys or maybe a, a, a not a, you know not a defensive end one. Um, do you think the poor play of the the front seven on the defense has sort of shifted a focus back to drafting that in our you know twenty twenty three draft? When I was thinking it might be a lot more to do with the with the offense, the quarterback, the wide receiver, uh, a tight end kind of thing. Um, I'll I'll uh, sort of kind of get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot of many different directions this team could go going forward and it's a little early to be able to know exactly. I mean, we can, we can speculate and there's just, it seems like there's two paths. It's either take the quarterback and try to build around that or, you know, like a defensive line, continue bolstering up the trenches, find some more, you know, find another skill player and you either and find that bridge option at the quarterback position to get you to 2024 you know, we kind of talked about it before and just kind of see where this team is and their timeline of the rebuild. And I've always been pro just take the quarterback. You know, if uh, I'll say it with a caveat that that assumes that you feel that that's your guy and you can win with him and you can build something with him. If the team doesn't feel confident in Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, whoever it is, then by all means, don't draft them and and build and go the other route and then find another bridge option. I, I, I certainly don't want this team to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. Um, I'm not a big – I don't believe in the philosophy of just taking your shots over and over and over at the quarterback position. I think you, you should be picky and choosy with them, especially in the first two rounds. Even if it means drafting another guy in the third round to compete with Davis Mills next year or something like that, that's another option. And – you know, just take those first four picks in the first two rounds or, you know, whatever it may be, whatever he may end up, he may, you know, trade down one of those top, those first round picks and just have multiple picks in the first round. I think there's a, there's a, I think it's positive nature, whichever way you go. It's just how this team and what, what kind of future Casario sees with this team and what kind of, of guide, guy that uh, Cal McNair has provided for him and allowed for him, you know, is it not a two-year project and then it becomes a three-year project and is Cal McNair willing to wait that long or does he want that splash move and get the quarterback in here? So there's a lot of ways to go about it and I don't think there's any wrong way to go about it. I think either path is a good path. It's just got to be the right players. Yeah, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think there's a right formula. I think it's just going to depend on, you know, what the situation is. I, I could see a case where you keep going with Davis Mills. You have the two ones, and, and you just build the best team possible to where you're ready to go. Um, I, I always like to point to the Jets because they were in a similar situation. They weren't winning games because of Zach Wilson, because they drafted a quarterback at two. They're, they're winning games because the D lineman that they took in the – top five is coming into his own they drafted running backs a couple of times and they built you know the rest of things now zach wilson might end up look, making them look good but they built they built a a pretty decent football team around him to where they weren't quarterback dependent so i could see it going either way man i could see it going either way and quite honestly if they decide 
that they don't want to take a quarterback at one or two, sign me up for a trade, man. Like I like Will Anderson and stuff, but if, if they're sitting there at two and they decide that, you know, we might want to go this direction, as much as I like Will Anderson, I like the thought of getting a couple first round picks and more from a team that's desperate to trade up for one of those quarterbacks and someone's going to be in love with them. So if they decide, okay, we still got a lot of holes. Um, we need a receiver. We need uh, linebackers. We need defensive line. Um, we yeah, need all these things. If they decide they don't love one of these quarterbacks, sign me up for the mother effing trade. Yeah, because you've got – It is going to be a gold mine at two, given the fact that someone's going to love Will Levis, someone's going to love C.J. Stroud, someone's going to love Bryce Young. If they love those guys, go ahead and take them. But if they don't, trade, 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 trade. You've like got, a mofo. You've got teams like the Saints. Well, they're short on draft capital. We got the well, Saints. You've got the, the Eagles. Got that pick. The Eagles have yeah. the fourth pick in the draft right now. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah. And you they're got undefeated and got the fourth damn pick in the draft. Yeah. If the Raiders move from from Derek Carr, you got Atlanta Falcons going to be looking for a quarterback. They're at uh, number 10, number 11, Tampa Bay, if Tom Brady moves on. Uh, yes. If, yeah, pick Man. 15 is uh, Washington. Uh, I'm telling you. I mean, there's a lot, you that's, know, all the way down to yeah, the Colts. Green Bay, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers moves on. Yeah, that's, that's going to hurt. Three? That's two ones at least. Yeah, that's. At least. Yeah, especially for a quarterback. That might be three ones. Especially for a quarterback. Especially at two. Yeah. So, Vera. I, I'm what I I could see it, but I also think like as much as I like Will Anderson, the fact that you have the Browns draft pick too. <laughs> if you don't love these quarterbacks, trade your ass off, and then we're talking about four. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I mean, if you you, you could easily come out of yeah, I mean, you could easily come out with this draft with two or three picks in the first round this year, and then three, you know, your two picks in 2024 plus another one or extra twos i mean you you could turn around and end up having five pit you know three or four or five picks in the first two rounds that, that could be potential impact players quickly and then yeah that's going to be interesting five years down the road but man if you could have that many picks potentially contributing to a roster that that can turn things around quickly regardless of who's that quarterback so yeah Vera, i mean there's multiple ways this can go it's gonna be. You just have to kind of wait and see how the rest of the rest of the season goes. Hopefully, the team will start playing some of the younger players, and you just see what you have in them, and then that kind of can help guide you and direct you where where things need to go, and see how free agency plays out. And so, a lot of questions to be to be had between now and then. You got anything else, Vera? No, that'll be it, man. I think. Uh... So you're just saying I should keep my bottle of whiskey next to me and prepare for long 2022 and 2023 seasons. Got it. No, not not a long 2023, fun, but it's going to be, be yeah. We're going to see all these ballers right now that are balling out. They're going to continue to get better. Mock, There's going to be even more. It's already man. mock draft season. What are you Enjoy talking it. about? I've seen it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. The draft. <laughs> I see mock drafts already. Somebody sent me one. I was like, no, no, no. It is too early for that nonsense. You clicked it, though. The other thing yeah. is, like, I wonder how much chess Nick Casario played. And I don't know how much front office guys do this. Like, when you're in a situation like the Texans and you have 
two first round picks for three straight years. Like, do you look ahead to the next draft and say, okay, 2023 doesn't have as good of options at cornerback. So in 2022, I'm going to take Stingley and I'm going to get my safety Petrie because 2023 has a hell of a lot of receivers and it has a hell of a lot of defensive line options. So instead of going that direction, I go here. I wonder how much that comes into play when you have all that draft equity. I think it, it has to come I, in a little bit. I right? think it plays a big role. I think it's a combo of what's a, what's going to be potentially available in free agency. And we know free agency is a crapshoot, but you can kind of see how the free agency signings go and correlate that with the draft. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about is you see what the future looks like. We know, you know, you already have some, a lot of scouting information for players that are going to be in the 2024 draft, most likely at least some input already. So, you know, what's what's going to what you did now what what's going to be heavy in 2023 things can change and everybody knows that but you have a good idea of what's out there come draft of next year when you're making your picks in 2022 you may not have exact names but you have position groups that you know will be stronger in this draft or next draft and then you can kind of adjust for that and then you use free agency to fill in those holes as short-term short-term solutions to fill in around those draft picks. So I think, yeah, I think what you're saying makes perfect sense. And I do think it is a, a, a factor and how the team ad, works their draft and works their roster building. It's not just this year. It's about what's, what's coming down the pipeline next year for sure. Definitely. And it, we know Casario has a shorter out, a shorter term outlook compared to, to previous regimes at this you know, like I've talked about with Rick Smith, he always had like that three-year outlook and Casario is very much a one to two-year outlook kind of guy. So I'm sure he does the same thing on the draft and and just has to adjust. You can't depend on it, but you adjust and work around it and you just try to find the best players you can right now knowing what's out there next year. Yeah, for it's fun, man. I, I'm not sure I, I understand. I, I, would, I like it, man. I like it. I'm 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 enjoying this ride. I really am because I can see I can see positive light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think a lot of us were saying that, saying that last year too, heading into the draft. Now, last year sucked. Last year sucked. No, I mean like, or maybe the off season. You know, it was like, all right, finally got a first round, got a second round, got underneath, got out from underneath the Watson situation. So I think you know there was a lot of excitement heading into this season, and it's kind of tampered down quite a bit. You see that whenever I do the. I do my little fun uh, fan confidence meter on Davis Mills, and the number still hasn't come up from twenty or thirty percent confidence. And and uh, I think uh, maybe it was Crumpler who who was uh, messaging me about it that a lot of fans have already kind of given given in on this season, knowing that it's not going to be anything beyond two or three wins, whatever they finish up with, and that they, their confidence vote in Davis Mills is going to stay low and that they're already looking towards the draft. So, you know, I, hopefully hopefully that excitement that was here back in March, April, May will come back around next March, April, May, and uh, it'll carry forward a little bit better than it did this season because this has been a rough one. But like you said, it's there's a lot of excitement. we got to – you got to realize this team has a ton of draft capital, not just next year, but the the year after that as well. 
and they can, like you mentioned, they can turn some of that capital that's coming up in 2023 into more capital, not only next year, but the following year and just have it continually rotating forward. It's kind of what Howie Roseman does in Philadelphia. You know, he was, he's able to get that extra pick from, from, uh, the saints on that, uh, on the uh, on on the Alave trade, and they made that trade the the draft before with uh, Miami, and they just seemed to find a way to continually reload and have the draft you equity. Just give up a pick for AJ Brown. It's like, damn. Oh, well, we also we saw, happen to have the number four pick in the upcoming draft. Yeah, yeah. We still we still were able to draft and trade up and get Jordan Davis. You know, things like that. So, you know, it's. God, man, it, you can just you can just dive so much into this and talk forever on it, and it's going to be a fun ride. I mean, it you try to try to find some positivity this year, and it's going to be a fun ride for the next probably two years, just from a roster building aspect, and no and, and from the draft, and so it's exciting to see all that. Um, I really have much else to cover tonight. I had one other question for you, Landry. So. Which players are on the that are on the roster right now have the most pressure on them for the rest of the season? Davis Mills, obviously, because okay. you know, quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Um does anyone else really have much pressure? Like I mean, I know Titus Howard has got full guaranteed salary next year, but I think that's one player that's Titus that's got a little okay. pressure on him. And um it's really just Davis. Yeah. I mean, everybody else is one-year deals, and there's no no real player, no no names that are just like, oh, we've got to re-sign him and get him, get him back for next season. I don't – there's really barely anybody on the roster outside of outside of Tunsil or, or Howard that you're just clamoring to get under contract and get signed for the, for, for the future. I mean, everybody else is just kind of repla- replacement level. So I just want to make sure I wouldn't miss any names. I pretty much didn't have any other names that excited John me. John Weeks. John Weeks. When's he getting his 200? I, can't, I need to go back and look and see. Soon. He's coming on with us tomorrow. We're going to mess with him. He's coming on tomorrow. All right. Let's yep. see where he's at in his count. 199. So next game Sweet. against Tennessee is yep. number 200 for him, which is what he wanted. Yep. We're going to talk to him about it. Fantastic. All right. Well, I don't have a whole lot else tonight. Thanks for uh, thanks to everybody joining in, whether you are on Twitter Live or YouTube Live or Twitter Spaces. I was glad to, glad to have everything function properly, had all my cables plugged in appropriately this time. Um, Good job. Yeah. You know, make sure you subscribe to the Cap and Trade YouTube channel. Got the ticker on the bottom there, the Cap and Trade newsletter on Substack if you prefer the written form. And as always, subscribe to Landry's channel, The Locker Room. He's pumping out content left and right multiple times per day. And uh, it'll be a busy week starting Friday night for him. He'll be doing uh, Heavy in the Astros. Not sure what if we'll have a show next week or not. Depends. You know, the Astros are... Playing almost you know, almost every night, and then the Texans playing. Astros playing baseball. Baseball. And then the Texans playing Thursday night next week. So we'll see if we can find a time slot in, or I may just go solo and make it work. But uh, Landry, appreciate it, sir. 
have a good one my friend and uh like i said everybody else joining in i pre- appreciate you and uh with that we will shut it down and everybody have a good night <laughs>